Welcome to the College Investor Audio Show, where we talk about the biggest issues impacting millennial money, from student loan debt to side hustles to building wealth. We will show you how to get out of debt so that you can build real wealth for the future. Hello, and welcome to the College Investor Audio Show. So glad you're here. Today, we take a look at the FAFSA's Asset Protection Allowance, as it basically is now zero. Let's just jump right into it. So the Asset Protection Allowance shelters a portion of parent assets on the Free Application for Federal Student Aid, FAFSA. But the Asset Protection Allowance will drop to zero for single parents and to a record low for married parents on the 2022-23 FAFSA, which families will start filing on October 1st of 2021. But before we jump into all this, let's first answer the question, what actually is Asset Protection Allowance? The FAFSA collects information about the income and assets of the student and parents, household size and number of children in college, among other factors. The FAFSA uses this information to calculate the expected family contribution, EFC, a measure of the family's financial strength. The FAFSA subtracts the asset protection allowance, which is based on the age of the older parent, from parent assets before assessing a portion of what's left. The purpose of the asset protection allowance is to shelter enough savings to cover the difference between average Social Security retirement benefits and a moderate family income level. The asset protection allowance was also intended to shelter a portion of college savings, but it was never implemented by Congress. (laughs) Even though the Higher Education Act of 1965 refers to an education savings and asset protection allowance, interesting. So how has the asset protection allowance changed? Well, for more than a decade, the average Social Security retirement benefit has increased while the moderate family income level has remained more or less the same. This has caused the asset protection allowance to decrease significantly after reaching a peak in 2009 and 2010. The asset protection allowance will drop to zero for single parents for the 22-23 FAFSA and will drop to the lowest level ever for married parents. If current trends continue, The asset protection allowance for married parents will also drop to zero in like a year or two. The average annual decrease in the asset protection allowance is about six grand a year, the equivalent of an increase of about $350 in the EFC. So this means that the assets of single parents will not be sheltered when calculating the expected family contribution, EFC, thereby reducing eligibility for need-based financial aid. Let's take a look at some numbers. And I know that can be confusing in a podcast, but stay with me. The asset protection allowance for single parents has dropped to zero for all ages, down from $3,900 for 65 and older last year, and $32,800 in 2009 and 2010. For single parents age 48, the median age of parents of college-aged children, the asset protection allowance is down from $2,500 last year, and 21,400 in 09 and 10. Jeez. Let's take a look at another scenario. The asset protection for married parents will drop from 5,900 for age 65 and older, down from 10,500 last year, a 44% drop in 84 grand in 09 and 2010, a 93% drop. Okay, so we have a chart at thecollegeinvestor.com where that you can look at that shows how the maximum asset protection allowance has changed over the last two decades, and it is dramatic. So here's the financial impact 
of the Disappearing Asset Protection Allowance, or maybe we should just ask, why should you care? So the decrease in the asset protection allowance from 84k to 5900 is the equivalent of a $4,400 change in the EFC. This means that families are getting as much as $4,400 less in need-based financial aid than they otherwise would have received. Families are not necessarily aware that the asset protection allowance is causing a huge drop in eligibility for need-based financial aid because the financial aid formulas function like a black box. The impact of the decrease in the asset protection allowance is also partially masked by inflationary adjustments to other aspects of the financial aid formula. The net result is that the EFC has remained flat or increased even as ability to pay for college has decreased, especially among middle-income families. And, by the way, many low-income families are actually eligible for this simplified needs test, which causes assets to be ignored for families earning less than $50,000 a year who file a simple federal income tax return or who are eligible for certain means-tested federal benefits. That's just an aside. Okay, now here's how to fix the asset protection program and problem. Only Congress can fix it. Great. (laughs) Unfortunately, this problem was not addressed by the FAFSA simplification legislation that was included in the Consolidated Appropriations Act of 2021. One possible solution is to include college savings plans like 529 plans, prepaid tuition plans, and Coverdell education savings accounts from reportable assets and qualified distributions from income on the FAFSA. Non-qualified distributions should continue to be included in adjusted gross income on the FAFSA. This solution will not only address the problem, but also eliminate any actual or perceived penalty for saving for college. Like, why would you penalize that? Alternately, one could also exclude all assets from the FAFSA, not just college savings plans. This would further simplify the FAFSA. Another great solution would be to shelter a fixed dollar amount per child, like $50,000 per child, and adjust the amount annually for inflation. That would be enough to shelter college savings for almost two years of college costs at an in-state four-year public college and one year of college costs at a four-year private school. Federal Register We have a chart that shows an excerpt of the Asset Protection Allowance Table published in the Federal Register as part of the annual EFC formula updates. You can find the chart, which will be much easier to just look at yourself rather than try to explain in a podcast, at thecollegeinvestor.com. Just type in the title of this podcast and you'll find it. And that is our show for today. I hope it was helpful. Pretty quick, too. And again, you can find more information about this, more resources, and everything else you need to know at thecollegeinvestor.com. Thanks again for stopping by. We'll talk to you again soon.